stinky poo poo head. Yep. <laughs> this week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Andrea and or Andrea Orth, uh, who doesn't think that Steven is a stinky poo poo head. This one's for you. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue! So, Wraithborn... I got nothing. Uh, podcast is on the air or something. Hey, I started drinking a half hour ago. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the Major Spoilers Podcast. <laughs> so glad you could join us this issue. Starting on a high note. Yes, literally. <laughs> Welcome, friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend and hope you haven't read this stuff. Woo! <laughs> issue 239. We are two, so close to 250. Nine. Do you think we'll hit 250 by Thanksgiving? I don't know. Rally. I can't count. 250 would be a Depends on if uh, the award winning Rodrigo like will be joining us in the future or not. Well, um, I'm trying today's... to I'm trying to get my recording days uh, <laughs> blocked off. Mm. But... Fake Rigo called. He he wants his gig back. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. award winning to... the award winning Kansas Association of Broadcasters winning Rodrigo. That's right. Yay! No, I won twelve KB awards once. Yeah, they they do kind of give those away at the curb. <laughs> like if you show up to the to the event, they give you a first place. <laughs> Uh, promotional I campaign. Got, I kind of feel like Charlie Brown in this whole thing. Uh, Matthew's like, I got, I got 12, I got 12 KAB awards. And Rodrigo's like, I got 47 KAB awards. What'd you get, Steven? I got a rock. Yeah. I actually, I have one KAB award. Woo. So we're yeah, all award winning. Woo, 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 woo. That's right. Yeah, Let's, get Let's get the news. Let's get the news. Some big, uh, news this week not as big as last week when the uh, major announcement of Wildstorm shutting down and all that other fun stuff uh we've got bob harris named the eic of dc comics vampirella decides to put on pants and who will direct the next superman movie let's spin that wheel of destiny and see where we land this week dragon storm oh number one Bob Harris named the editor-in-chief of DC Comics. This was announced uh, just uh, the beginning of the week. DC kicked off the week by announcing that uh, has that uh, Robert Harris has been named editor-in-chief, vice president of DC Comics, uh, that uh, this was done by Jim Lee and Dan DiDio. Harris Dan will DiDio, oversee Dan editorial DiDio. for DC Comics, DC Universe, Mad Magazine, and Vertigo, and will be based in New York City, reporting directly to the co-publishers, uh, Jim Lee and Dan DiDio. Harris becomes the company's first editor-in-chief in nearly 10 years since the position was held by Jeanette Kahn from 1981 to 2002. Kahn! Prior to being named editor-in-chief... Harris was the group editor, collected editions of DC Comics, and before joining DC Comics, Harris was the editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics from 1995 to 2000. A very interesting time for Marvel Comics, right, uh, Rodrigo? Um, it's kind of when I got into uh, Marvel Comics, and of course... And when just, I got out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and of course, like, every time I get into something, it was apparently the worst time ever, according to everyone else, but I liked it. 
Okay. <laughs> Matthew, what was going on between 95 and 2000 for Marvel? Well, 1995 was the uh, the creation of something called Marvolution. From 61 till about 94, Marvel had one central editor-in-chief and one central office. Under Marvolution, they had five editors-in-chief. Don't you put that Marvolution on, like, cracked elbows and chapter lips? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And but the, on the five editor-in-chief thing fell apart quickly. And Bob Harris ended up becoming the overall umbrella editor in chief. And we got to see things like, um, the Avengers needing a Shi'ar Wolverine X-Men character. And don't get me wrong. There was a lot of stuff going on during that time frame that was good. That was when they launched Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. but it was also when they launched Rob Liefeld's Captain America. Uh, that was when they did the excellent John Ostrander hero for hire series. But it was also the point in time where Spider-Man was initially a clone and we were introduced to Carnage and Venom and all those other ass clowns. So, you know, your mileage may vary on this one. I think that the main point that you have to make about Bob Harris working as editor-in-chief at DC is, A, the old editor-in-chief as auteur theory has pretty much been destroyed. Right. Even, even Quesada is now what chief creative officer and works, you know, has dozens of people working with him and they have creative summits where all the people have their input. It's not Jim Shooter's Marvel. It's not Dick Giordano's DC. It's not, you know. Well, yeah, I, I mean, know, you can just, Jim you can just open up any, any comic book. I mean, you could pick up uh, Batman and Robin number 14 and you can see kind of how the editor system lays out, at least as it does right now, where you have Mike Martz is the editor of the mm-hmm. Batman line, but you have, individual assistant editors on individual books. Right. So I it's think just that, a chain of command, right? I think that it may break down to kind of this, the system that we have where, you know, at, at Quesada, not Quesada, excuse me, Bob Harris may end up being more of, you know, a clearinghouse and a communication station rather than actually driving. I think that's going to fall under chief creative officer, Jeff Johns. Or co-publisher Dan DiDio. I really think that they, I think the main reason why they had to pick an EIC is because Warner Brothers not moving DC Comics out to the West Coast. And there's a good legal reason for them not to move um, DC Comics out to the West Coast. Is it the Siegel family again? It has to do with lawsuits and copyrights. It's easier to defend a copyright in the in the state in which the um, property was created. So, so it is that the keeps, family. Yeah, it, that's part of it, among some others. Fawcett. But DiDio is still going to have to be flying, I think, back and forth quite regularly to yeah. California. And so they're going to need somebody there to kind of serve as that buffer, that that zone, mm-hmm. that person that's kind of in charge and yeah. running the stuff in the company. So, And, it, you know, if you look at it from today's comic book perspective, I don't think that anybody has the kind of power that Harris had in 95 and, you know, Bill Jamos had after him and Jim Shooter had before him. It's not that kind of industry anymore. Sure, there are people who have the input and the influence, and Dan DiDio, I'm sure, Dan DiDio and Jim Lee are going to have the final word on anything, but I honestly think that the day-to-day operations aren't going to turn, you know, say, Teen Titans into a Bob Harris joint. I think Teen Titans is still going to be, well, awful, but it's (laughs) it's going to be the same kind of awful that it was under John's, that it was under anybody else, you know. And I don't think that Bob Harris coming in is going to suddenly turn it into the clone saga of all well, version. Let me, let me ask you this, because Rodrigo and Matthew, you both were reading Marvel in the 90s. Of course, I was not. Mm-hmm. But I, everybody's saying, I didn't read Marvel. Because I was cool. I read Image. 
uh, a lot of people were saying a lot of people were saying Bob Harris is essentially responsible for Marvel going in the toilet. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. Um, From what I've read and seen, I think probably he was a, a significant part of it. But I think because he's not like he does, he didn't make fiscal decisions for Marvel. Right. 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 He just made creative decisions for Marvel's products. Mm hmm. So, you know, Marvel bought Fleer, and then there was that whole, like, Fleer was bought Marvel. Right, and and Fleer went under, and then Marvel went under, and Michael so, Jackson that, tried to save everybody, but then pulled out at the last minute. Uh, no, seriously. Oh, uh, Steve. You just phrased it funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you just interpreted it funny. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, by uh, I was no, talking he, about a penis he, joke. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Glad when you Bob... smashed that punchline with a hammer. <laughs> when... <laughs> Don't explain the joke. It makes it not funny. When Bob became editor-in-chief at Marvel, there were already serious financial issues at the company. Right. And whatever you can say about your feelings of, you know, the Harris era, you know, you can say the same thing about when Stan Lee was running the joint, except that, well, Stan was probably more successful. The entire industry took a huge nosedive in 95, 96. It wasn't Marvel you know, screwed up. It wasn't image or DC. It was the entire image or excuse me, the entire industry hit that bubble in 90, 91, 92, 93. And, you know, just like the dot coms, just like, you know, everything else, just like professional wrestling, you hit that extreme peak and you get everybody involved and you have the speculators and everything. And eventually it comes back down to normal. Well, and the other thing too, is that it doesn't happen in one business cycle. It was a exactly. couple business cycles. So what I see as the big problem for Marvel and DC was the fact that Image was born in the 90s. Yeah. And, of course, the speculation and the variant cover market. And we're seeing a lot of variant covers return now. But by the time by the time Image reached its peak and the bubble started to burst, you had about a year or two of this coasting before the floor dropped out. Yeah. And, and that would have been that 95 through and, 2000. And I think period. it is that where people are like looking at this and it's like, Hey, you know, all of this stuff that we're doing to sell more comics is actually undercutting into, Hey, where'd the floor go? Bam. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to do something that I don't usually do. What? Uh, Sing? <laughs> no, I sing a lot. You're going to say all five yeah. two points to make point one, point two, the end. No. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your <laughs> I have noticed that I do have a lot of stock filler phrases that I use when I'm putting together a sentence in my head. I'm trying to get past that faithful spoiler. Right? Oh, so okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Matthew. I'm going. I'm going to go outside of my comfort zone for a minute, and I'm going to talk for a minute about stocks and bonds. There is a concept called the junk bond, and a junk bond is essentially a speculative bond where you are saying. I'm going to buy this at lower than, you know, price. And in, in theory, it's supposed to increase in value. It's supposed to, you know, get more valuable, kind of like a comic book itself. In 1991, Marvel Comics went public under the ownership of Ron Perlman, who ran Revlon, not Ron Perlman, who played the Beast. But essentially, Perlman was issuing public stock on Marvel. And to some degree, some of it actually came down to a junk bond. And when you have a junk bond, you have the liquidity risk, but you also have that problem of what happens when people try to cash in their junk bonds. And I feel like, you know, the early 90s, the generation of those junk bonds, those bond offerings, I think devalued Marvel's stock. And by devaluing Marvel's stock, it devalued their actual intellectual property which I think led to the bankruptcy. So you can actually trade the bankruptcy that happened under, 
you know, Bob Harris to a point in time when Bob Harris was, I think, a, an anchor on New Mutants or something. So I don't think that you can blame any of the financial woes of Marvel Comics on anything other than poor financial decisions. However, if you want to if you want to look at it and say, I hate the Clone Saga and Bob's going to do another Clone Saga. I don't know. There's a very real worry of that, but I don't think that realistically that's what an editor in chief does anymore, especially not at DC. Well, now again, restructuring, who knows what's going to happen. I feel like it's good to see somebody getting a job when everybody else is getting downsized. So, yeah, yeah. but aren't we aren't we hitting the exact opposite of that is that the previous era had you know, one colossal editor-in-chief that made all the decisions and his word was law. Now we have publishers, chief creative officers, and editors-in-chief. And where, like, where do they all fit in as to what right. actually comes down the, the you know, the in my actual book, if I want to read... Oh, we're talking about DC. Let's pretend I want to read a Batman <laughs> book. Um <laughs> Well, you know, how much input are those seven guys true. and one lady who's their boss right. going to have on my hypothetical Batman comic that I like? And, and it depends because Jim Lee and Dan DiDio have very different roles in the company, mm-hmm. as does Jeff Johns, who's overseeing a specific area of the company in right. regards to properties and those kinds of things. Um, right. you know, he's in basically interview, not involved with comics. He's doing all the yeah, ex, I mean, he's kind of yeah, comic the movie peripheral that kind of stuff, and has some input, I guess. But you know, even when I was talking with uh, Mark Wade a couple of weeks ago, he, and I asked him, "So, what does the chief creative officer do?" He goes, "Uh, well, that depends on who you are and what you're doing." Mm-hmm. And so, it, uh, mm-hmm. I think some of these you might be kind of right as some of these are maybe nice titles, yeah, with very little power. Mm-hmm. So, I agree. And but I, I, but, I don't but think are that, we are we in kind of another time like the uh, mid '90s again? I mean, we see a plethora of variant covers flooding the market. We see a plethora no. of uh, of stories that seem to have a lot of filler and not a lot of uh, a substance. And are we getting ready for comic book companies to suddenly go? Oh, wait a minute, where's the floor? I, I think I, I don't everybody think went. Oh, wait a minute, success. where's the floor? Yeah, I, I think yeah. you know, like. Hobbies and and random things started to crash in the nineties. You know things that got over flooded. Right. But in general, things were okay economically in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Right now, the current crunch on comics is the same crunch that everything has. Right. So all of the crazy strategies that we're seeing uh, comic book publishers come up with are in response to the general economy being bad, which I think in the end makes for a bigger cushion mm-hmm. because nobody expects you to be capitalizing on those bazillions of dollars going into uh, of expendable income if nobody has any expendable income. Right. Right. The comics industry is bleeding to a degree, but certainly not to the point where I would say the real imminent possibility of collapse in the next six, eight months is, is there the way it might have been in 94, 95. But, you know, it's also worth looking and stressing that we can't really predict these things. My thought process is comics really can't completely crash because they haven't, they haven't gotten a, a, a peak. There hasn't been a sufficient peak in several years for us to have a huge valley from. Now, again, that's from the perspective of, you know, someone looking at it and saying, in my experience or in my, you right. know, historical belief. So 
there's always that possibility that 1929 could hit the comics industry and it would be something, you know, completely unprecedented and unheard of. You know, have, that have you guys is ever played impossible. Have you guys ever played Pi Gow Poker? Nope. You is know that the they, game where you go on the Oregon Trail and sometimes people get dysentery and die? No, no, no. no that would be the Oregon Trail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. No, Pi Gow Poker is a, is a card game, very least similar to poker, is a twist on poker. It's really fun. I like it a Except lot. It has Pi Gow in it. Well, yeah. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the dealers call it the slow burn game because no matter what, even though you may win occasionally and there's a lot of times where there's a draw and you don't lose your money – over the long haul, Everybody, everybody's, everybody's, everybody's losing. losing their money except for the house. And I kind of feel like maybe that's what's happening with, with comics is, yeah, we're not seeing a sudden drop, but we're seeing a slow burn uh, oh, yeah. in, the, in the decline of overall readership. So I hope it change, changes around. Hopefully Bob Harris in his uh, new position as EIC can do some fantastic things over at DC Comics, and we'll find out within the next year uh, what he's been able to do. And... Although, realistically, I think it's more going to be like three years before we can judge what he's done. But it will be nice because we are familiar with what he did as editor-in-chief in Marvel, so we it'll allow us to make jokes at least for a while. <laughs> like, hey guys, you know what Batman needs? Clones. Another, yes, we need another Batman book, except this Batman is a clone. We will call him the Scarlet Bat. And he will wear a torn-up basketball shirt over his Bat costume. Uh, oh, that's so last year. The, uh, He's actually got to wear one of those little emo shirts. I thought we already had the Batman of Zurana storyline go on. Um, you know, you can comment on this story and a whole lot more over at Majorspoilers.com. Just do a search in our search engine uh, for uh, Bob Harris, EIC of DC, and you will find it. You'll also find a lot of other uh, great content over at Major Spoilers, including Matthew's most recent uh, retro review, looking at Superman retro and Shazam. Review. And what Excuse is thunder? me, Captain what is thunder? thunder. I'm sorry, what does Captain Thunder have to do with all this? Captain Thunder is in the book. Shazam is not. But he's on the cover, isn't he? Throwing things? Oh. No, that's Remember, thunder. kids, if you want to know more about why Captain Thunder <laughs> is not Captain Marvel, www.majorspoilers.com. If you click under columns, you won't find it. But if you click under reviews <laughs> and you look for retro reviews. Steven, I need a retro review column, please. Uh, do we not have one of those? Nope. No, just away, well, we can we can add one of those if you are properly tagging everything with a retro review. Then we can awesomely, I am excellent. All you can also and retro reviews will be tagged as retro reviews. Yeah, just tag them as retro reviews. Also, they if did. you're over there and you would like to win some very groovy prizes, including a 75th edition or 75th anniversary. DC Direct Starro action figure. We've got one sitting here in the studio right now. It's eyeing Rodrigo, looking at his delicious brain. Uh, if you'd like to win one of those, if you'd like to win an iPod Nano, all you have to do is enter the Major Spoilers costume contest. Send us uh, about four or five pictures of yourself inside your costume. Could be a superhero. Could be a supervillain. Could be uh, Caitlin Fairchild. Could be Could Africa be 99. Could be a Wraithborn, I guess. I don't know why you'd want to do that. I don't think you'd win. Uh, <laughs> you know, and also send us a picture of yourself out of your costume so that we know that it's really you. Send it to us by October 21st, 2011. We'll pick, or excuse me, 2010. We'll <laughs> pick the top five. We'll do this again Send it to us so. anytime in the next 16. It's like the cable. Are you going to be home between 12 p.m. and December of 2013? <laughs> Get it to us by October 21st. We'll narrow it down to five, and then we'll let you vote. <laughs> 
on who will win this uh, prize package. Prize package worth, I don't know, something like 200 and some dollars. So wow. Quite a prize package. <laughs> Head over to Majorspoilers.com. Look on the right side, the right column. You'll see the Major Spoilers Contest 2010 entered today. Do click and enter today. And I've gotten actually more women enter this year than men so nice. far. And uh, right above that, you may see something that says make a donation. If you accidentally click yep. that, that won't hurt our feelings either. Yeah, you know, we're doing this show for free. We do this every week. All of the shows that we do at uh, Major Spoilers uh, are absolutely free at this time. But, you know, it does cost us time, effort, energy. A lot of people comment about how great Critical Hit sounds. A lot of people comment how great, technically, this show sounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people love when we make the silly voices and and make with all the other stuff. That's right. We actually bought a silly voices filter. (laughs) That's true. Here, watch. watch. Here's Matthew's regular voice. Say hello, Matthew. Hello, my name is Matthew. And now I can push this button that says fake Rego. Hello, my name is Matthew. See? See what it does? Amazing. It is amazing. You should push the torque button. No, you can talk like that. See? It's amazing. What's All really the weird stuff is that we're bringing to you like for free. You push the button that says weekend. Bruce from Family Guy. You talk like this. It's kind of funny. Weekend and week out, we bring you quality entertainment as you drive to and from work. And we're doing it for free. And maybe if, you, if you'd like, maybe you'd like to get your name read at the top of the show like uh, Andrea Orth or Andrea Orth. All you got to do is just click on that Make a Donation button. Donate $10 or more. We're not preventing you from donating more. And there are some of you yeah, out there who do donate quite a bit, and we do appreciate that. Yep. Um, we will give you a shout-out at the top of the show. Dedicate a specific episode directly to you. All right. How's that for a, enough like uh, PBS, PBS Pledge Pledge break? Yes. And now, here's the Red Green Show. <laughs> You know, I use duct tape for everything. Hi, everybody. <laughs> you know, I duct tape. I'm a I, man. My, but I, I can my change. Weird, I'm a weird if nephew. I, have to, I guess. Ha, ha, ha. Let us talk about some reviews. Let's push that review button. See? See how it works, everybody? For free. Quality entertainment for free. I hereby declare this the first annual Major Spoilers Free Views. <laughs> free Views. Free Views. Rodrigo returns, and you guys get free views. Yep. That is like something special right there. So this week we have... um, Oh, oh, Stephen, Mr. Cotter, I want to go first. (laughs) We have a DC book from Matthew. Oh, no, I'm sorry, a Marvel book from Matthew. Secret Avengers number five. Yes. Do you remember not so long ago, depending on when you look at this, hello, future people. Hello, future people. Yeah, I've even got a button. There you go. Defenders number 50. Hmm, Defenders number 50. Defenders mm-hmm. number 50 in our retro review, David Anthony Kraft doing his magnum opus, Whatever Happened to Scorpio? Oh, I remember that one quite fondly. During the Scorpio storyline, you remember how uh, Scorpio, who was secretly Nick Fury's big brother, Jake, had the Nick Fury LMD following him around, and he used the power to give this creature, this this robot LMD, the mind of his brother, Nick Fury? You remember any of that? Are you with I, me here? No, I think. Is ring, I any of this ringing a bell? So. No. Okay. Uh-uh. www.majorspoilers.com. Click on reviews and look for the retro review no, button. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, bad. the retro review is going in right now. So by the time you finish awesome. your cha- chatty chat and your your talking chatty, talk, chatty chat. it will. In be that better. issue, Nick Fury's LMD robot uh, duplicate is forced to help Scorpio kill himself. What? And for. For the ensuing 40 Scorpio, years, no. no one has actually said, hey, 
I wonder what happened there. And thus we come to today, 2010, Secret Avengers number five, or The Secret Life of Max Fury. This is actually a really, really, really good effort. I want to say this up front. Occasionally I'm, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Mean. I'm critical yeah, <laughs> of the Avengers titles because of the way the Avengers titles all kind of celebrate mediocrity the way Diane Court did by meeting Lloyd and Dobler. And this yeah, I don't issue, know who those people are, but that sounded mean. It did sound yeah, very, it did. very snarky. <laughs> this issue drawn by... Something uh, Brian Ed, Michael Bendis does not appreciate on cut-and-paste websites. No. True. Written by Ed Brubaker. Drawn by David Asia, who used to draw uh, Immortal Iron Fist, I might add. This story starts five years ago. We see Nick Fury on the run. And you remember when Nick Fury was on the run from S.H.I.E.L.D.? Because S.H.I.E.L.D. was all evil, and he'd gone underground, and there was a whole secret war and a big schmageggy? This ain't that. But uh, Nick Fury is on the run, and he's finally caught and captured by the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Nick Fury is dragged into S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters, where he's clubbed on the head and pistol-whipped by Nick Fury. (gasps) Thank you. You should pick your cues up. You guys are good. And in the today portion of the story, someone finally says... (laughs) In the first four issues of Secret Avengers, we find that the evil guy, the dragon guy, is working with Nick Fury. Or someone who looks exactly like Nick Fury. And we see the backstory that explains how the LMD and Scorpio fought the Defenders. And in Defenders number 50, in 1970-whatever, Scorpio killed himself and left an LMD, an android, that thought it was Nick Fury. This android was taken into custody by S.H.I.E.L.D. and they tried to study it and figure it out. But since it had all of the mind and all of the skills of Nick Fury, it would periodically bust out. And go on the run, and S.H.I.E.L.D. would be forced to catch this fake Nick Fury again. Awesome. So there's like, yeah, and what does Nick Fury do when Nick Fury gets out? He goes and he busts up Hydra cells. So every time this this android busts out, he goes and he shoots up a bunch of Hydra cells, or he takes down, you know, <laughs> agents of AIM. And, nice. of course, S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield picks him up and locks him up. A year later, he busts out and he makes a run for it. He's fighting, like, Ultimatum and all the faceless agents, basically being, you know, pretty sort of marvelous like Nick Fury himself. Mm-hmm. And it finally comes to the point where Nick Fury in the present explains to Captain America or Steve Rogers, Commander Rogers, that he finally decided to have the Android destroyed. And uh, Steve has given him the stink eye and Nick is like, what? It was a friggin LMD. And Steve looks at him and he's like, you're talking to a man who's had two good friends who were synthetic life forms. It's actually a very cool moment. That's, by the way, the Human Torch, the original Human Torch and the Vision. Nonetheless, it turns out that rather than being destroyed, the Nick Fury LMD android was actually pulled in by some evil guy and has been working for the last couple of years for a group called the Shadow Council. And the Shadow Council's job is to be the secret shadow group that keeps tabs on the secret shadow group. So this Shadow Council is going to be keeping tabs on the Secret Avengers, which I think is pretty awesome. And the issue ends. So with there's the a secret group keeping tabs on a secret, a secret group. group. I, I exactly. what would be better though is if the Shadow Council actually kept tab on all secret groups. So it's like the Secret Avengers, the Illuminati, and uh, yeah. whatever Deadpool's doing. Secret Six. The Secret. Uh, yeah, across companies. Across company. Yeah. yeah, that would be kind of cool. 
But it's interesting to see because actually the best part of the issue, and it's a pretty good issue, the best part of the issue is the coming attraction that promises Shang-Chi Master of Kung Fu next month. Because everybody is Kung Fu fighting. Excellent. This is a really, really good issue. And it's tied into continuity that maybe only I get. But it's tied into continuity in such a way that it tells you everything you needed to know about Defenders number 50. In order, and with the exception of the fact that this story happened in Defenders number 50, I miss footnotes. But it tells you everything you need to know about the character, and it gives you this really fascinating, kind of awesome theory about this living machine who busts out of the custody of people, and what does it do when it gets loose? It naturally fights crime because that's what it's been programmed to do. That's what Nick Fury's mind says go out and shoot the bad guys. Row, it's really row, kill bad guys. Row, row. Yeah. Do not and this, this new character, this, this Max Fury, gives something the Marvel Universe has almost, to my knowledge, not had in a very long time, maybe almost never. It's someone to balance the awesomeness of Nick Fury. So it's a super spy mastermind on the side of the Black Hats to balance Fury on the white, because nobody mm-hmm. has ever been on Fury's level as far as, I'm the super spy, my name's Nick Fury, and I'm tougher than Dighton, I'm 137 years old. So I'm going to go four and a half slices of meatloaf. Very wow. good issue. Well drawn, well written. It's interesting. The pacing is good. The dialogue is phenomenal. The Captain America giving Nick Fury the attitude because some of his best friends, some of my best friends is robots. <laughs> you know, I, I like that moment. I like the little continuity touches. I like the big continuity touches. I like the fact that Nighthawk appears in flashback because of all the seventies characters, Nighthawk seems to be the only one who doesn't get to come back and be awesome. Yeah. Miss freaking Marvel gets her own series. Oh, Miss Marvel, look at me. I'm Hal Jordan in spandex pants. See, actually, that was a time that I didn't push the sound effect button. That was just pure Matthew right there. <laughs> that is just really? something his larynx does. <laughs> Maybe I pushed the sound effects button. Very good issue. And honestly, Secret Avengers has been one of the stronger of the 97 Avengers titles. And right now with this issue, I think it's taking the lead as the strongest of the Avengers books. Excellent. Hey, Matthew, go over to Major Spoilers. Refresh that front page. I'm going to go to Major Spoilers right now. Faithful Spoilerites, join me. Major Spoilers, www.majorspoilers.com. When I click on reviews, it says... Retro review. And when I click on where it says retro review, you see things like Superman volume one, number 276 from 1974. Featuring someone like who looks like Captain Marvel, but who's not <gasps> Captain Marvel. X-Men versus Teen Titans from 1982. And why is my phone ringing? <laughs> I don't know, but all these questions and more will be answered next week on As the Stomach Turns. Steve, Rodrigo. Go. Hello. Please explain to me this dynamite uh, book. That's right. Hey, uh, Roddy, have we have we welcomed you back to the show, brother? We did the award winning Rodrigo. Hey, it's welcome me. back to the show. Thanks. I, I, I get to work by telling us reviews. <laughs> there was no one. There was no one to tell Stephen that I might be right for almost three weeks. Yeah. What? See, there you go. He doesn't even remember it. Because that's another thing I do, is I remind Steven of stuff that happened on the show. Steven, remember that time you were being a dick? Yeah. This is one of those times. He's like, what? No. Or as we like to call it, Yes. (laughs) There's a lot of that going on. 
<laughs> anyway, I reviewed a book called Patricia Briggs, Mercy Thompson, Moon Called, number one. The Moon Called? What's his keys back? Wait, exactly. what's the title again? Patricia Briggs, Mercy Thompson, Moon Called, number one. Do you remember my, Mickey Spillane's Mike Hammer, Murder Me, Murder You? Yes. <laughs> the most confusing title of all time. I think we may actually be in that territory. Well, we see this a lot whenever we have, uh, um, you know, famous authors taking their print yep. books or the, you know, the other word book and bring them into the comic book universe. We had that just recently with um, uh, Killing the Cobra, the Chinatown Trollop, and it right. was, uh, I forget this, um, Marsh. Well, Marsh- it's the Scario same thing Avenico. with Anita Blake. Yeah, Mar- Anita Mar- 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 Yes. So tell us about Patricia Mar- Briggs's Mercy Thompson and why the moon called. Right. Um, it wants so- to. Never. So Patricia Briggs is is the the writer. It's Patricia Briggs right. apostrophe s. You know, Patricia Briggs presents Mercy Thompson, the main character in Moon Called moon Part called. One. So that's that's the breakdown of that title. Um, Mercy Tom, like the the book basically jumps right into like there is a fey world and a normal world and things happen in it and it's magic times. This kid is a werewolf and he's being attacked by other werewolves. So, and this is all from the point of view of Mercy Thompson, who is, uh, can turn into a coyote. She's like a coyote magic person. Mm. Um, who is also sexy. Mm. So, this kid is in trouble and she helps him. And there's like a shadow organization of all the monsters and ghoulies and creepy things. Um, and the kids kind of maybe violated one of the laws. It's uh, stuff we've seen before. Yes, but it sounds so fascinating. Does it really? Vampires and werewolves. Well, and we coyotes. haven't seen we haven't seen a vampire. Frankenstein's. Ah, uh, yes, Frankenstein's. Yes, and the fact that they're doing things to each other. <laughs> and let me guess, they're all in high school, right? Um, this kid is in high school. Uh, the other, the other people don't right. seem we to be. We have all seen this. Before. She's she's a uh, a car mechanic, I think. Really? Um, yes. A hot, sexy girl who's a car mechanic. That's right. Rodrigo, quit pulling all these tropes out and throwing them into this comic book, please. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. They they also have this conversation about how her name is actually Mercedes. <laughs> um. So and and she works on German cars. <laughs> Um, is that why she wears a VW symbol on her shirt? Uh, I think so. She's actually specifically a, a VW mechanic. Um, and she's like, oh, but I work on other German things. But, and, and you know, like, it's it's interesting. And, like, there's obviously there's a mystery there. And you're supposed to want to know more about this world. But uh, I we've, like, I have at this point seen so many things that are like, bleh. Below the shadows of this world exists another world that is full of all those myths that you think you know, but you don't know. And you know what? I don't care. I I really just don't want to know anymore. The art is fine, although at times when odd angles are introduced, Mm -hmm. it seems a little shaky. As long as you're looking at the characters dead on, they're fine. When you get an overhead view, the perspective of it, it's like kind of like you're seeing through a fisheye kind of thing like yeah characters don't have the right perspective at times like you should be looking at the top of their heads on their shoulders but they're kind of standing up straight oh, yeah, so it yeah, looks yeah. like they're in an incline kind of thing it's, right 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 sometimes it's not the greatest 
So um, I'm looking at the the Wikipedia here. Yes. Mercy Thompson series. Moon Called is the first book released in 2006. Mm-hmm. Followed by Bloodbound, Iron Kissed, Bone Crossed, Silverborn, and River Marked, which apparently comes out this spring <laughs> of 2011. Ooh. So apparently it's popular enough to spawn and one, two, three, River four, Phoenix. five, six books. Yeah, right. six books in this series. River Town. Yep. Um, I I would give it uh, probably two slices of meatloaf. Um, it's just like th- there's there's nothing wrong with it, but we've seen all this stuff before, and I I I have definitely seen all this stuff before. In fact, this in a lot of ways looks like it was taken right out of um, Werewolf the Apocalypse, which was the previous version of White Wolves. A werewolf game mm. like this could be happening in the werewolf the apocalypse universe straight up without any changes except for the pack you know when she says fey she could say spirit world and it would be exactly the same thing i have no idea what you just said exactly <laughs> well, these words they seem to be and, english and yeah. i will remind you of that later okay right. um but if you're into that kind of monster fantasy genre, at least out of this issue, you are not going to see anything new. So it gets two slices on meatloaf on account of having pages and words written on it. Okay, fair enough. Um, for me this week, I also picked up a dynamite book, a new dynamite book that comes out in stores, and a book that I've reviewed before on the show, Bullet to the Head. Bullet to the Head! Uh, yeah, issue number yeah. four. Issue number four. Now, this is a story... About uh, two two pairs of buddies, two criminal buddies and two cop buddies. Mm-hmm. And the two criminal buddies are assassins who go out and kill people. And previously, if you remember, they killed a senator and a prostitute. And then they went out and they killed the prostitute's mother and this reporter who was leaking information. Or they didn't actually kill him, but somebody did. And the two cop buddies have been trying to follow this trail of who killed the senator, even though everyone's telling them to be hush-hush. And they have a, uh, a captain of the detectives going... Pancake detective, sit down out of this one or whatever that the, the guy screams. You're loose cannon. You're loose cannons. You're gonna get fired. I'm gonna have your chicken shield. salad sandwich. <laughs> so um, essentially, what happens in this issue? One of the cop buddies is dead in a setup, and one of the criminal buddies gets killed in a <gasps> setup when they're trying to blackmail the governor of the state, and the main reporter is dead. And so a new reporter, who was the assistant of the dead reporter, goes to the living cop buddy and says, hey, I had this deal with your, or my dead partner had a deal with your dead partner. How about we partner and we leak information and stories and we'll continue to write under his name. Tell me what's going on with this big cover up. Meanwhile, the dead criminal buddy thinks that everybody's going to get killed unless he teams up with the living cop buddy. Right. And so if that's not confusing enough for you, by issue's end, everybody decides to team up who's living so they can bring down Mr. Big, who we still don't even know who Mr. Big is. I, I, actually, if, if that is well carried out, that sounds brilliant. You know, the thing about this, this, the thing about this series is, and there's no disrespect to uh, Matt's, who, who's, who, this, uh, who wrote this uh, series. Nothing against him, but this is a perfect book to read and trade. Mm-hmm. Sucks terribly in a monthly. Because... And you may remember previously that I liken this book a lot to Pulp Fiction, 
mm-hmm. in that there are pages and pages of very quick, snappy dialogue. And there's a lot of that in here, too. Mm-hmm. What do you mean we should partner? Well, don't you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, remember when we talked about this? Da, da, and it goes on like Why that. Why I ought to. <laughs> um, but to Sorry. read this monthly, your brain, unless you are diehard into this and remember all of the characters and remember what they all look like, you're going to completely forget what's happened from month to month which means you have to go back and read the previous month's comic, which is good because you get to read the, the issue again. And I did spend the other night reading through the previous three issues, trying to get back up to this one so I could figure out what was going on. In the trade, I think this is going to be brilliant. It reads like a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, seriously, if uh, Quentin Tarantino wanted to look for the next uh, semi-late 70s, early 80s uh, cop thriller buddy drama, Shoot him up. This is it. This is it. Plenty of shoot him up, plenty of disgust, plenty of double cross, plenty of the Pulp Fiction type uh, long dialogue exchanges that he likes so much. A lot of great action, a lot of great characters. Doesn't read well in the in the monthly. Hmm. Bullet to the Head. Great art by Colin Wilson. Uh, great coloring by Chris Blythe. Um, this issue, unfortunately, this is a six issue arc. Plods a little bit too much. There's a lot of uh, the, the living criminal buddy, living assassin buddy gets on this motorcycle with a hippie dude who always wants to talk about, Hey man, you just got to cool down. You're not a fly, man. How about we roll a joint? We get fly. And so that goes on for about half the issue. Hey man, drugs before the, uh, the criminal guy just kills him and takes his motorcycle and drives off, which is what he should have done in the first panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little bit of that and it kind of drags a little bit, but overall bullet to the head, dynamite entertainment, still a fun read. I think it's going to be better in trade when it finally comes out. Three and a half slices of meatloaf from me. It's it's interesting. If you guys haven't read it, uh, you might want to pick it up. Cool. And, and pick up the back issues if you can find them at your local store. Not something that's on a digital comic uh, at the moment, or at least not day and date release digital comic. Unlike what The Walking Dead currently is doing right. uh, with Image Comics. And I would expect in a comment that was made, I posted an article today, kind of an opinion about how I'm not going to um, buy the print version of Walking Dead anymore. Because mm-hmm. I got an iPad, Matthew. Um, but I was, and and I Image has made the decision that, hey, we've caught up to the print run in the digital edition, so now we're just going to start releasing it same day as the comic uh, in digital. Think that's well, going to keep up? I think it will, at least for a time. Then about an hour after I posted mine, another website posted an, an, an interview or an article about the same topic, mm-hmm. about Image Comics' decision, and they quote Robert Kirkman, who says, I want all of my comics to be digital day and date release. Invincible is only two months behind mm. the print, so I would bet in about two months, by the end of the year, we'll see Invincible also getting digital day and date release. So it's, it's interesting. Now, I haven't been following the latest uh, of, of either of these titles has Kirkman caught up with his own schedule? <laughs> I don't know. He did say he was going to have, I think he's pretty much released a book every month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that there were a couple of times in the past year that there were two Walking Dead books a month. So I can't yeah. tell you if he's caught back up to where he needs to be or not at this mm-hmm. point. They, I they can't hit tell their you that. They promise of on time in 09, but I think there have been some delays in 2010. Okay. I can't tell you, Rodrigo, if you haven't been reading um, Walking Dead in the last year. Mm-hmm. You can pick up the Walking Dead series and have no problem. I don't want to spoil anything, but on. these zombies. Yeah, <gasps> they're zombies. And as is always with this arc, which makes it aggravatingly predictable, we get a reprieve and everything looks happy and, and great with the world. And then what happened to the floor? Yep. And then zombies. So, Oh, the floor turned to zombies. <laughs> oh, 
How awkward. Yes, exactly. I'm walking on dead people, perhaps. Why not? Anything ah, else, gentlemen, Conservation about of mass is very strange in this world. <laughs> uh, Anything else in, in regards to reviews? Um, I know when I, I want so. a review, I go to Majorspoilers.com and I click on the review tab. And if you're so inclined, you can use the new drop down under the review tab. And pull on the retro reviews. reviews or what we like to call comics that I actually remember. I can give you an additional bonus review of Metroid Other M for Wii. Oh, yeah? Real yeah. quick? Go ahead. Two minutes. So, like, run, run, run. Pew, 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 pew. Click. Run back to the other room. Now the door's open. Run, 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 run. Pew, 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 pew. So I'm enjoying it. Are you still a girl? Yep. All right. And that is one annoying thing. And, and, and now you ask me a question, so I have to go into it. <laughs> the voice acting for the main character, who has never had voice acting before, is pretty terrible. So she comes, like, a character who was always very stoic because she never talked. Mm-hmm. Um. And who, to a certain degree, allowed you to put whatever you wanted uh, into the character's personality is now kind of a whiner. So I I think for a lot of diehard Metroid fans, that game has ruined Samus for them a little bit. For me, I don't care. I don't actually care that much about uh, the the storyline of things. I just want to shoot bug aliens because they're different from me. That's just hurtful. Well, in the Japanese version, it's voiced by Ai Kobayashi. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to He's find... Uh, Jessica Martin is the one who does the voice in the American edition. Right. So you say she's not very good. Uh, that, interestingly, or the, that or the directing is terrible, and the dialogue is very bad. Interestingly, well. this is Jessica Martin's first entry in the IMDb. So maybe her first actual role ever. And, you know, I maybe mean, Natalie, Natalie Portman, great actress... You give her, uh, you have her direct, directed by Lucas and given uh, that dialogue, and she sounds like a potato trying to backwards engineer speech. So, she sounds like a wind up soap actress. Exactly. So, <laughs> maybe it's not her because the dialogue is very awkward at times. Yeah. But maybe it's a translation? No, if it was just a straight-up translation, it would be awesome, because she would be screaming about how a winner is her. <laughs> a winner is how, me! And how many, many fun-time Metroid uh, boom-boom laser crash. Okay, fair enough. How many slices? <laughs> um, I'll give it, I'll definitely give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. All right. It is just, for if nothing else, it's Metroid flavor- like, but a relatively easy Metroid, oh, so really? it makes okay. it easy, easier for me to get so into like it. Because I've never be- flavor packet to put on your ramen. Kind of, it's it's kind of Metroid for dummies. And uh, hey, a, all right, I'm going to love this game. As I have the <laughs> when it comes to video games, the relative intelligence of an actual Metroid. Yeah, um, this game is definitely helping me out. All right, cool. All right, so there you go. People who keep insisting that we include more gaming reviews. There's a video gaming There's review. There's one. Pow. Metroid, the other M. Bonus material. We should have included that as the, uh, as the paper, paper That's uh, right. podcast. Get that extra bonus. I'm sorry. Content. We shouldn't talk about that yet. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, let's talk about the major spoilers. Pow. Also known as. 
It's time <laughs> for the millions in attendance and the other millions wandering around, shuffling and banging on the doors, hoping to eat our living brains. No. It's time. Hailing from Transylvania, standing 750,000 strong with the sharp teeth and the widow's peaks and the glavin, they are the vampires. And they talk like this, and we don't know why. And their opponent, uh hailing from that guy, crash satellite from outer space. I don't believe that actually happened, by the way. Hailing from George Romero's brain. Seven hundred and fifty thousand of them. Yes, they'll hang around the mall just like they do now. Yes, they are zombies. I always wondered why no one had a superhero called the zombie. Actually, actually, I think there was, wasn't there? I think there was. I know that there was, sure. there was ghoul in Ultra Force. There was, was Tales of the Zombie. But Tales of the Zombie uh, was black and white magazine. It wasn't like a superhero book. It was like was Deadly like, Hands of Kung Fu with zombies. Right. But Tales of the Zombie had an actual character, right? Like a main character? Yes, his name was Simon Garth. Right. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like how yeah, it's yeah. it's it. I guess it's that weird nebulous area where you know, uh, what's his name? Jack Russell doesn't actually go by. Oh, hello, I'm Werewolf by Night. Yes, right. Or for that matter, Hero for Hire or whatever. Tales of the Zombie, 1953. In uh, I'm sorry, Menace Number Five, 1953. Right, created Tales by Stan Lee. There's I Zombie. Yeah, there's that too. Who I believe the main character also doesn't go by iZombie. <laughs> Just like the shark doesn't go by Jaws. His so, name uh, does she have a glowing Joseph. apple on the back of her head? Because that would be funny. <laughs> Only no, when she's asleep. It just seems like, and I know we've gone on about this before, it just seems like a company zombies are played. Zombies. I'm so tired yep. of zombies. Let's, so- let's spread zombie love across all of our books as much as we can Gross. and beat it to death, right? I don't want uh, you to now spit it to any undone. kind of love across my books. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep your love to yourself. <laughs> then we in, have... fact, in fact, you might as well just hide your love away. <laughs> yes. Um, then we have vampires. Mm-hmm. You know, the new thing it starts out in X-Men, but I just get this feeling. Then we have what is the new Tomb of Dracula? Not Tomb of Dracula. Is that what the new uh, Marvel series is? Tomb of Dracula? Curse of Dracula. Curse of Dracula, whatever it is. We got a new Dracula series going on. Return of Dracula. Now we're starting to get all these variant covers featuring our favorite Marvel heroes as vampires. I get this sinking suspicion that we're going to see vampire explosion all over the Marvel universe. You know who I miss? What? Blackula. (laughs) 1972, wasn't that when Blackula came out? I miss Blackula because Blackula was awesome. 72. Nice. I love that movie. It was great. I had this book about uh, movie monsters when I was like in second grade. And it's like yeah. uh, Frankenstein, Wolfman, This will tell you what, mummy, what kind of all parenting stuff. I had and then there was this whole I think I was seven when nice. I saw a uh, double bill of Scream, Blackula, Scream, and Shaft in Africa. Yes. And I love them movies. <laughs> they was great movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so getting back on topic. Uh, our poll There's this week, a topic? Apparently, okay. poll this week is 
which Marvel monster do you prefer? Because one of them at some point, mm-hmm. well, the bigger fear is not that we're going to have Marvel vampires explode all over your face, mm-hmm. but we're going to have Marvel <laughs> oh. zombies versus Marvel vampires explode all over your face. <laughs> so if you had to choose a Marvel monster, Matthew, which one would you prefer? Stop Marvel talking. zombies or Marvel vampires? I'm, I'm, leave me alone. I'm curling into a fetal <laughs> position and hiding under the couch. And it's not from the monsters. <laughs> Oh, you're a th- uh, ha, that's terrible. Um, this one's actually simple for me. Okay. As much as I like the image of a red-eyed vampire thing. Yes. Uh, Marvel zombies. They may have gone back to the well a few times too often, but if a you go back times? and you sit down and you read Marvel zombies number one and you Excellent just look series. at, oh, yeah. yeah, and you look at issue one where the heroes come in and they kill and eviscerate and eat magneto on panel yeah now it's shadowed in certain cases but this is clear you know clear analogs of characters that we know as zombies killing and eating probably the most iconic supervillain the marvel universe has to have this side of dr doom and then making me laugh about it and making mm-hmm. me feel bad about laughing about it and then grossing me out and making me laugh at that and then being grossed out at how funny the gross out was. Marvel Zombies for me, I had to pick Marvel Zombies simply because the original idea was so strong. Even now, they haven't quite milked all the fun out of it. Rodrigo? Uh, let me well, wait, let me ask you a question really quick, Matthew. What do you consider uh, as far as, the, I mean, do you look at the Ultimate Comics real introduction of the Marvel zombies as the first appearance of Marvel zombies, or do you look at the Marvel zombies series and say, this is what Marvel zombies should have been? Well, there's two problems with the first appearance of ultimate, ultimate uh, Marvel zombies in ultimate fantastic four, I should say. Right. One, it takes place in ultimate fantastic four, a book which was canceled, <laughs> and now I've decided retroactively never happened. <laughs> but all and that wonderful was- Greg land art. That's the other problem with the first appearance. Um, you know, it, I think <laughs> I don't want to be rude and hateful, but uh, apparently I'm going to. Hey, <laughs> that that whole arc would have been scarier if I wasn't looking to see which porn star he was tracing. And if the sequence where, you know, the Marvel zombies were throwing cars at the regular Ultimate Fantastic Four wasn't so clearly cars traced out of 10 or 15 different ads. Oh, look, that's the brand new Dodge Challenger, and the ad is in the same issue. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Greg Land's art can take the fun out of anything. I mean, Greg Land could actually be drawing a comic book called, you know, Matthew gets free money and uh, gets to have sex with five porn stars of his choice for the rest of his life, and really this could happen. And I would kind of go, yeah, I can skip it. All right. Rodrigo, over to you. Marvel zombies or Marvel vampires? Um, well, scary stuff, I, kids. Blah. I guess I would, if I had to pick, I would probably go for my own convenience with Marvel vampires. Because if Marvel zombies attack, right. then I would have to plant a bunch of sunflowers and then <laughs> use that sun energy to plant other flowers to fight them. But if Marvel vampires attack, yeah. I would just have to plant sunflowers. <laughs> And that would kill them. <laughs> you know, I kind of approached this uh, poll of the week, this POW, the exact same way. If I had to be around this, which would I prefer? Mar- Marvel zombies are nonstop killing machines, right? Mm-hmm. At least with Marvel vampires, I got the I got 
12 hours. I'm going to live at the equator or, you know, someplace where I'm going to have more sunlight than equator. nighttime. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to stand out in the sun, noon, noonday, and just thumb my you would, nose You would out. have to live here and then travel down to the, That's fine to the southern me. hemisphere. That's fine by me. Make sure all the all the planes just fly Just so you're always, day. always uh, in summer. I, I, as long as I'm in the sun. Because really, I mean, the interesting thing about the Marvel vampires that really I liked in that X-Men number one was the fact that one of them is walking around. The issue kicks off with this guy in this full bondage leather gear walking around. He goes in the middle of this this square, takes off his bondage gear, and just explodes all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's how he infects the other the people and infects And that's uh, how Steven Jubilee. spends his weekend. Infects Jubilee with the vampire virus. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a brilliant kind of interesting move. Uh, you know, to be quite honest, I really haven't read the other issues in that series yet so i don't know what's going on but i think i'd probably prefer marvel vampires over marvel zombies right plus you've got to figure out how does uh i think they kind of talked uh, and justified how wolverine become can become a zombie mm-hmm. i'm not sure how they can justify wolverine becoming a vampire or how you infect the thing into becoming a vampire that's kind of interesting i got this interesting email i got this interesting email about five minutes after posting the uh after the poll went live on the site, this is from Scott. I hate Batmite. Marvel zombies are Marvel vampires. As cool as the picture of vampire Ben Grimm is, and how much better a character Frankencastle is than the Punisher, my vote is neither of these stupid ideas. In fact, every time I go to the bookstore, we have no comic book shops within 100 miles, I think the same thing. I can't wait for the morons monster of the month craze to die off. Hmm. That's from Scott. There are quite a few other uh, comments over at the uh, Majorspoilers.com website. Um... Larry King, uh, who I really got to say thanks to Larry King. Give him a shout out. If you haven't been watching the want list at the end of every episode, of the want list, I say, hey, here's a question of the week. Why don't you record your comment and send it in? Larry King has been very consistent with that. That's so, right. But Larry King says, I've never read either, but I'll give it to the zombies because I want to read the Marvel Zombie 5 trade with Howard the Duck and Machine Man in it. It is good. Um, Moken says, sorry, I can't vote on this. I love the zombies while they were in Ultimate Fantastic Four. But that's about it for Marvel Zombies for me. And I can't sit, stand vampires in all their forms. So my vote is no. Um, ba, 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 ba. And they have a lot of forms. So they can turn into bats. Yes, they can. They can turn into wolves. They can turn, they can into, turn into swarms of rats. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Yep. I'm not going to sleep tonight. Ooh, blah, scary blah. Wow, look at the finger. Ah. Next have month we'll it? have Marvel mummies. <laughs> well, oh, they're all wrapped in toilet paper and they're scary. <laughs> How has the mass audience voted so far, Matthew? Well, I don't know, but uh, the faithful spoilerites have spoken. And uh, hey, see what I did there? 249 votes, which is almost 250 for those of you counting at home. 79% say Marvel Zombies. 21% leaning towards uh, the Marvel vampires, probably because of that horribly unattractive picture of the thing. Oh, I think uh, that's really, great. You really did screw it. It was I do that love the little, or, uh, uh, the baby birds nesting in Captain America's head. <laughs> that's are those baby neat. birds? Is that what they are? Okay. Yeah, those are baby hey, birds. Some, here is some breaking news. Star Wars is going to get a 3D makeover. After more than five years of teasing Lucasfilm discovered today or announced today, that they're working on a way to convert the Star Wars saga and turning it into 3D. All six picks will get theatrical re-release and stereoscopic, starting with episode one, The Phantom Menace, which returns to theaters in, are you ready for this? 2012. The hey, Steven. predictions are true. Yes. 
Is this a communist co-production? No. Ask me why. Why? In Soviet Russia, Han Solo shoots you first! <laughs> it's a 3D joke. Okay. The prospect See of six Star Wars that? films released in 3D should stifle speculation that the format is fading fad. Uh, I'm sorry, George Lucas. Uh, 3D is a fading fad. <laughs> so there you go, listeners. There's some breaking news that you'll have, of course, by the time you hear this episode. It'll already have been spread across the internet. Uh, that is from Variety.com. Oh, and I lost my place in the grand scheme of things. I've become unstuck well, right in time. about now, Stephen, we like to listen to comments from our faithful spoilerites. Oh, yes, let's go to the... Uh, to say. Let's, uh, let's go to that and see if we've got any this week. Hi, guys. Uh, you know, you guys touched on a topic with the Douglas Adams stuff that's a little bit near and dear to my heart. I've been reading those since I was in middle school, uh, which was a long time ago. Um... But uh, just a couple of comments on, on the things that were brought up. You guys said that Mostly Harmless was the book that you guys liked the least. If you listen to a lot of the things that Douglas Adams said, you'll find that that was the book he liked the least, too. He's uh, been reported saying that he was in a rather ugly time in his own life when he wrote that and probably shouldn't have written a hitchhiker's book at that time. Uh, so a lot of his humor didn't come across. But the other thing that I wanted to say is if you guys apparently haven't read The Salmon of Doubt, which was, as you guys put it, the kind of like last portions of writings that he had done with, um, he was trying to decide whether or not it was going to work out as a Hitchhiker's book or a Dirk Gently book. He hadn't quite decided which universe it belonged in yet. Uh, and that's at the actually the end of the book. But most of it is a lot of his essays and writings towards newspapers and other forums, etc., and it just really touches on his brilliance and what an incredibly bright human being he was. Uh, and I can't recommend it enough if you really want to see where most of his um, ideas and perspectives on the world came from. Uh, even just on the ideas of technology, he was so very foresighted as to where technology goes. I mean, he passed away almost a decade or no ago, and the things he was talking about before he died are the types of things we're seeing now, such as wireless networking and social networking. And it just is, really is absolutely brilliant to see some of the things he was talking about. Other than that, I've really enjoyed the podcast. Thank you guys much, and I hope you have a good day. This is Dragos Kai, the Snarky Review Guy, coming to you once again from the sunny streets of Florida. This week I want to review Scott Pilgrim vs. The World The Game on the PlayStation 3 platform. Now I'll start with the good. The good is that it's just a great throwback to the 80s. It's difficult, the 8-bit graphics, the 8-bit soundtrack from Anamanaguchi is amazing. The bad, mainly a PlayStation Network issue, but it took me an hour and a half to install and download the game, which is completely unacceptable. Verdict, get it as soon as you can. It's not expensive, it's on PlayStation, it's on the Xbox 360. It's probably going to be coming to the PC if I, if I remember correctly. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash dragoskai. This is Dragos Kai, the snarky review guy, signing off. My name is the Dexter 102 and today I'm going to give you lucky spoilerites 61 seconds of review goodness of Michael Bay's Transformers. So here we go. Transformers in 61 seconds starting from now. It doesn't have any sort of plot that is in any way interesting. So I'm not going to do that. It's boring. It's terribly acted. The directing is horrible. I couldn't see what was going on half the time, let alone 
the fantastic CGI brilliance. And there's moments in it that's just so puerile attempts at comedy. And I'm like, stop talking down to me. This is not funny at all. There are about two lines that I found funny. Just terrible. And it's like the Transformers cartoon made up a very small part of my childhood. But I just felt that small part of my childhood being stabbed repeatedly in the back. Just awful. And I mean, it's a Transformers movie. Optimus Prime turns up. Okay, main problems with it. It's too long, badly acted, badly directed, and has nothing good going for it. Half a slice of meatloaf, because it had a couple of memorable lines. <laughs> I don't like this. I, this is not what I want to see. I want to see good movies, but sometimes you have to bite the bullet. So, that's 61 second review of Transformers Goodness. I have heard that some of you actually like it. I don't know why, but your mileage may vary. Peace and love. How many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? Let's find out. Do it in your white guy voice. Let's find out. (laughs) That sounds really pervy. (laughs) One, a two, a a three. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody. Thank you so much. (laughs) Welcome back. <laughs> to the show. Major spoilers podcast, the show that's going to hell, and you're all coming with us. My goodness. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, I want to thank everybody for participating in our phone calls, sending us emails, sending us recorded comments. Everything is greatly appreciated. If you would like to call our major spoilers hotline, we do have a number for that, and it is what, Matthew? The number is nine. Excellent. Thank or you. Make sure that you call nine. I come from a small town. My phone number was nine. My cousin's was 13. We had to write that down. Wrote on my forehead, though. Kept dialing 31. 785-727-1939. The major spoilers. Hotline. All right. So you got a little bit of comedy here. I don't know if the rest of the show is going to be that funny. No. Uh, We are going to be talking about... (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're number one, Matthew. You're number one. Uh, Let's talk about Wraithborn. And it's kind of ironic that Can we're I- talking about Wraithborn because this is a book from Wildstorm Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, True. Collected in six-issue trade, I believe is what this is. This is the first volume. Rodrigo, please explain this story to me. Give me okay. the general overview so that we can get it out of our system now. The general overview is that there is a girl who is in high school. Of course. And... She's having trouble because she's awkward and she's not that good in school and she's not that good at sports. So one day she goes walking in a graveyard and this random guy with a glowing dagger attacks her and go back and look at it. I'm, He's I'm on, gu- I thought he was raping her too. Uh, he rapes her, I'm guessing. I don't think that's actually supposed to be what happens, but seriously, go back and look at it. Um... And then she gets powers and realizes that she has to fight a glowing lady. That's about it. <laughs> there, there's, there's a slightly slower, uh, a slightly shorter, rather, general overview, if I may. Oh, sure. Go right ahead. And it goes like this. What if Daria Morgendorfer was the Witchblade? Yeah. We'll see you next time, folks. All right. So that's all happens basically in the first issue. This is a man attacks and apparently rapes her. She wakes up the next morning with no... No remembrance of what's going on, yet suddenly these demon dogs and creatures from all out of the place, all over the place, start attacking her, 
And some spooky guy who looks like the darkness but is not the darkness nope. says that you are to follow me because I can help you. And then somebody who looks like uh, the big heavy topped lady from Battle Chasers appears mm-hmm. and says, hey. See, I thought she was more zealot. Oh, okay. Hey, I want the power too. And, and let's fight the big glowy lady. Kapow, See, I kapow, thought she kapow. was more Scarlet from oh, Crimson. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 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 there you go. There yep. you go. Exactly. Exactly. She could be Red Monica though too. And of course, the bad thing it, about this, well, the many bad things about this, but one of the bad things about this series is it starts ah! after the character has already found her identity as the Wraithborn. The Wraithborn. This demon-killing machine. Yep. So there is no point in this entire story where you actually fear for the central character because you know she's going to come out all right at the end. Yep. That is the biggest problem, I, I think, primarily one, the biggest problem in the issue uh, from my point of view. Is there's no the sense of problem. there is no sense of is this character going to make it? Yeah. And well, I knew we were in trouble when issue <laughs> one starts like this. There are forces in the world that we don't understand. Yep. We can't see them. We can't touch them, but they can see us and they hunger and I am their prey and they are my prey. And now we're cha-chaing. And now let's pray that we don't have to read this much longer. Now, there are some things about this book that I will come right out at the very beginning and I will say are interesting. Okay, give me some things um, that are interesting. The, the art comes across to me as kind of a hybrid of Joe Majerera and Ed Bennis with better anatomy than both. Yeah, you know, I, kinda, so I did kind of like the art in this book. Yeah, the, the general anatomy of it is much stronger than I kind of expected going in from, you know, that whole battle chasers kind of feel um the, aside from the fact that the premise is pretty pretty similar to witchblade and by pretty similar i mean really damn similar to witchblade yeah. in a way well even some of the demons it's interesting like the demons to at least the darkness so mm-hmm. yeah well and you can see you know you can see echoes of calibretto in the monster that attacks her in the first issue i mean there's a lot of influences here but i think that it's one of those books that I kind of get the feeling that the writer loves this character and his mm-hmm. setting and his locale. And this is the book that he's been wanting to write all his life. So there's, there's no lack of Passion. enthusiasm. Yeah. But you know, there's there, my initial problem started in issue one and I did read the original issues because quite frankly, I'm going to be mean here. They were in the quarter bin anyway. Well, no, that's all right. Um, I grabbed them last Saturday, and I'm just like, issue one starts with a Wolverine monologue, and not really a good Wolverine monologue, and it transitions into some fighty-fighty, and then it transitions to the on-panel murder of a 17-year-old girl Mm -hmm. who is decapitated and left visibly in two pieces in the background as Mm -hmm. the character walks away away saying something horribly pithy. Now... Right. At this point in time, I don't realize that the main character is herself a 17-year-old girl. Right. So what it looks like is this, you know, this giant being comes out of nowhere and uh, attacks, and then the girl comes out, and she's kind of the Wolverine, you know, Red Monica, witchblady type, and then she kills the victim. And then we cut to some honestly very charming backstory um, of what Melanie's life is like with her dad, who's having, you know, problems with his heart and his cholesterol. Can can I say something about that part of the story? That is really charming. It is a great part of the story. It is a part of the story that I wish we had more of in the book. I like the awkward girl Mm -hmm. character that she is in the daylight. 
I like the fact that she yeah. loves her father and misses her mom and wants her dad to stick around and that she's got a little dick of a brother. And hates PE class. Yeah. And doesn't like fit that. in and can't can't even come up with the guts to stand up for the other girls being teased for fear that she'll be the next one. That's yeah. the sequence that that's really powerful. And then we get, I don't know, a character drawn by Scott Campbell shows up with purple hair and <laughs> I don't know, it gets a little weird. Seriously, is that character not just that drawn by Scott Campbell? Yeah, the uh, right in the, the middle of that picture, the voodoo friend whose legs are about Z- five uh, times Zoe longer. Purple, five times longer than her torso. Well, her her feet well, that's are bigger are than her stand. entire body. Well, that's a Humberto Ramos uh, thing, which is who uh, I yeah. thought that a lot of this issue reminded me of for a couple of reasons. It did remind me of what was that Dracula thing that he worked on the vampire thing? Um, Crimson. Uh, Crimson, Crimson, yeah, yeah. A lot of the a, a lot of the characters, thing. yeah, a lot of the characters. Are <laughs> I think we've stumbled onto a Dracula factory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I'm, I'm even worse. It's a Blackula factory. I'm going to be using that in the future. And now, listeners, you know where this came from. Mm. Yeah, I thought a lot of it was very, to me, crimson inspired. Partly that, partly Dark Child and Witchblade and Darkness all rolled into one. There's well, a and, lot and of really, it. and really, that's the problem. Is that Wraithborn is kind of somebody going through and. Picking and choosing the best, you know, the, the best bits of it's, Buffy the Vampire it's Slayer. It's pure concentrated top cow. It, it even <laughs> even more than that. It's like it's it's that it's it's such a obnoxious genre piece. Is is really what the problem is? Is that you know throughout you know Witchblade and Dark Child and the Angelus, Every once in a while, you find things that are kind of interesting and specific to those characters. Yeah. But this book specifically goes through, gets rid of all that stuff, loads this giant, re- like, repeating cliche gun and just uh-huh. fires them at you without any, yeah. without stopping at any point. Well, Awkward yeah. girl check, you know. She lives in New Orleans and she has a psychic friend. Who knows yep. voodoo with a voodoo grandmother. Yeah. Yep, and like, her, her friend, people her in New friend Orleans, for some pre- reason, inexplicably talk like Gambit. Her friend is predictably crazy. Yeah, like mm. fighting some ancient evil who uses sexy girls to attack. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, I will the say only this. really. Go ahead, Matthew. The 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 only really unexpected part of the early issues for me are the point where she's left lying in a heap with her skirt pulled up on the on the ground. I'm like, oh my god. Is that after the, yeah, the end of, of the... issue one? It looks like she's been assaulted and not in the good way. Well, that's what we were saying. And, that, that pose where he's yeah, on the top of her, transferring the knife into her choker or whatever it is. And that's problematic for me because it's as though nobody expected that implication to happen. And yeah. we are not the biggest pervs in the world. Oh no! There's some. We of our are not. That well, Stephen is, but we are not <laughs> right. the biggest person in the I, world. I didn't. I, I didn't Just, see it as a rape scene myself. No, I, it's not supposed to. be. I know, but I'd never. I never even. I never even crossed my mind that it was a rape scene. He was just on top of her, holding yeah. her down in a very. He was holding her down, and he way. left her in a heap. And there's a very. If you look at that last panel, her her skirt is pulled up on one leg, and her blouse is askew, and it's just kind of like that's really, really disturbing. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I mean, guess as origin stories go, it's one of the creepier. Yeah, I think and, for and me, you know what? If if it was that kind of book, if it had just, if it was like, all right, I'm going to do 
magic hottie, but I'm just going to raise the stakes. The only way to pass on the power is to literally violate the other person and get that power across. And this power is all about violence and control and being evil to beat right. evil things up with evil. But see, that's yes, not. But that's not how the book comes out. It's not even. Although there is that part where at the beginning where she kills um, the girl just because she's stupid. Mm-hmm. And she says, you know, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Reason. It's like if it's you not, look, she's not even being evil there. She's just being snarky. Well, and, you know, you get when you get to the end of this volume, you know, she's like, I I'm awesome and have become Wraithborn. Like her character arc, <laughs> her character, really, every time she, every time anybody says Wraithborn, Pretend yes, that that a <laughs> pretend yes. First off, all the words are like <laughs> pretend that it's like a breathier Nathan explosion saying it, yeah, and yeah. it makes this book a lot more enjoyable. <laughs> now, one of the things that I was kind of troubled about throughout the entire book is we talked about the art is is really okay, and I like the art for the most part. It does remind you and reminiscent of a lot of other artists. But the thing I was really disappointed in, and I think I blew through this entire book in about an hour, mm-hmm. there's very little dialogue. I mean, there are sometimes pages where you have like two or three word balloons on the entire page when people are supposed to be having a conversation. Really, you think so? I, I thought so. I thought there was a, you know, when you look at an overall I, page. I, I thought that it got pretty wordy at maybe times. At, maybe at the end it gets a little wordy oh, yeah. and they actually have to start explaining stuff. But for the most part, I was really surprised that there, just because of the layout and the colors and everything, that there was... A lack of Wraithborn all across the No, there was the no lack of Wraithborn. <laughs> uh, and people yeah, saying Wraithborn in a meaningful way. And it just, you know what really annoyed me is that Wraithborn is apparently one of those words that is like a noun and a verb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And an adverb. I'm so gonna Wraithborn her. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, I have become like something Wraithborn. It's like, wait, you're something Wraithborn or you are Wraithborn? <laughs> I'm so... I am the Wraithborn, and I'm going to Wraithborn your ass. The primary (laughs) feature of being Wraithborn is that you have become so Wraithborn. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, a a spin-off show that's 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 so so Wraithborn Wraithborn (laughs) would would definitely be in order. And by in order, I mean would never happen, because that would be idiotic. And and I Wraithborn? I Wraithborn. You know what bugged me about the art, actually, now that I'm thinking of it? What's that? Wraithborn. At the end of issue two, there's a really striking scene where where a, someone's getting struck. No, let's be obvious. Uh, it's it's an obviously traced uh, Ford Mustang is covered in monstrous monsters. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's a really really great sequence. That's a that's a nice two page spread. And then they ruin it because it, the beginning of the next issue takes that same issue that that whole yes. spread and Photoshop shrinks it down yeah. and makes it the first panel of the next issue. I, I, I know doesn't that redraw too. it. It no, is actually the same panel resized. Yep. Now, Matthew, let me ask you a question. Do these uh, dog yes. things kind of look like uh, what you might envision uh, spider lizard monkeys? No, does does the like, concept um, of, I, I don't know, I was reading this and kind of giggling to myself and go, oh, look, here's somebody that allows a god to possess their body. And, oh, look, here are these uh, numerous little monster doggy things coming after everybody. Rodrigo got all of his, oh, his critical hit stuff out of this book. 
Yep. <laughs> a bit. So you guys yeah. know what you have to look forward to if uh, Orm wants oh, more power. Oh no! I'm going to become Wraithborn the some, Wraithborn! Some guy is going to jump Orm in an alley and that's how he's going to get <laughs> his paragon path. Violate me with, yep. a, with his mighty sword. <laughs> with his mighty Wraithborn. <laughs> Say, I couldn't help but Meanwhile, notice that you were checking out my Wraithborn. <laughs> Back at the book... Was anybody else bothered by how much uh, Valerian or Val- Veltrex or whatever his name is Valtrex. looks Bill Gax. like? Looks like yeah, Bill, uh, Gygax. Yes, he looks, looks like darkness. Like the darkness. Yeah, not yeah, no. just a little bit. I mean, it's like he's like pure. He's he's the darkness from the alternate universe or something. He's like he's literally like they drew a beard on the darkness. Yes, I, believe it's me, that was freaky. not. It was not uh, lost on me, and yep. I, and it was something and, that. And it's funny because, like, when I saw it, I'm like, especially when you see it, you know, in the covers and stuff, it's like, wow, this guy really looks like the darkness. But then when he interacts with her, I'm just like, they should have taken that mask off because you can't even. What's the point right. if you can't even see David Boreanaz's face? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just and, uh, and, and really, fighting. that's the problem with this book is that everything is so familiar. Okay, it so really let me ask is. you this then, Rodrigo. Hello. Let's get inside the mind of Rodrigo. I'm going to be inside the actor studio, inside the podcaster studio. All right. So, um, we'd like Rodrigo, we'd like to talk to the mayor of town. Now. Yes, we would like to talk to <laughs> we would like to talk to the person who actually picked this book this book for the reading list this uh-huh. week. Now, this uh, I noticed on the back there is a a price sticker right. from uh, the local store. Um, what possessed you to buy this book? Well. Much like X-Men Supernovas, which we reviewed a while back, I bought this book Somebody entirely for the art. Okay. Um, I saw some art that I thought looked very cool, specifically in the, I think, second volume mm-hmm. or first volume, the uh, the big... Oh, like, yeah, the blue lady. Blue fairy queen thing. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, the monster at the beginning, I like how... They use that shiny effect on it, but not it's not entirely made of that, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. I like the colors in this. The coloring in this book is very It's well, well colored. Done. It's interesting. And if you don't look too closely, the art is pretty good. Sometimes, you know, like you said, the legs are pretty huge. And I hate, hate mm-hmm. the design on Zoe, I think is her name, the friend. Yeah. Because it's just like, let's just be wacky about things. But um, why, why did I buy it? Because of the art. Then I read it, and I thought it was terrible and hilarious. Um, why did I pick it? Because in the end, um, and and this is part Wait. of the reason why I became a, uh, a dungeon master, a game master, is because to a certain degree I like inflicting pain on other people, and I thought that if you and Matthew read this, then you would uh, suffer an adequate amount. <laughs> also, Please make it stop. Hey, the good thing is, Good thing, uh, Matthew, is Rodrigo cannot inflict this pain on us again because there were only six issues of Wraithborn ever published. So it's all right here in this first volume, and that's it. Yes. Rodrigo. Yes. If the next words out of your mouth are not, I'm sorry, I made you read Wraithborn, they are very likely going to be, oh, my God, my crotch, my crotch, why (laughs) did you punch me in the crotch, oh, God. Um, Wraithborn. Yes, I'm sorry I made you read Wraithborn. Wraithborn. I won't make you read Wraithborn again, but as soon as I you find could... something else that's terrible and hilarious, I can't <laughs> promise that I won't submit you to it. I have three words for you, sir. 
Right yes. forward. Legion of Substitute Heroes. Mm. Yeah, don't make me go to my big guns. Wraithborn was published by Wildstorm under its Wildstorm signature imprint, which replaced the Cliffhanger imprint, which now the Wildstorm imprint is completely gone. Oddly enough, Cliffhanger never had any. And didn't they have a Danger Girl? Wasn't uh, that under? Uh, yep. Danger Girl was under. No, I mean, they never had a Cliffhanger. I always knew what was oh, going to happen next. Uh, yeah. All right. But, yeah. uh, anything redeeming in this uh, entire six volume, six issue volume, Rodrigo? Some of the art is okay. Mm. Matthew, same question. Um, there, there's a part. Well, I don't understand why they introduce Zealot and Grifter and then pull Grifter away like he never existed and he never shows up again. And I don't understand why, you know, the wacky glow-in-the-dark pink-haired girl all of a sudden has a grandmother who's a psychic who has Kane's eyes from the WWE, but for some reason dresses like super nun Jesus woman. And I don't understand why the purple-haired minions, who I believe are actually small onions, look exactly like Zoe, because really the only way to tell the female characters apart is their hair color. And I don't understand why when we first see the main character, a glow-in-the-dark giant fairy queen, she has glow-in-the-dark super shiny uh, nipples with, like, uh, giant rings on them. And I don't understand why... At the end of issue four, the guy gets transformed into like mega damage Wolverine. And I don't understand well, you know, the way we've been describing most this entire. Are you, are you seriously just going to go page by page and talk about things that don't make any sense? <laughs> you know what? Because we've already talked you, about this I book. I will tell you one the thing that, that I did like about, about this book. This book technically should be the most awesome thing in existence because it mashes together everything. That we used to love. Right. There's an comics. awesome. There's an awesome. You know what movie. else mashes together everything and squashes <laughs> it like this? Baby food. <laughs> and there's a reason why you I know, don't. When eat you're baby drunk, food. baby food tastes pretty good. There's an awesome movie, and I've, I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's called DNA, and it is literally Species? a mashup of every monster and horrorish movie it's like they're looking for stuff in south america and they find this alien thing uh in amber and then like they clone it uh, and they take everybody to this complex and then but the alien thing can turn invisible so this guy is like in the swamp like putting mud all over himself so that he can fight this invisible monster and then an anaconda shows up it's just and that is what wraithborn is it's just like everything that's awesome about awesome stories right right and it just comes out like in a lot of ways just very disingenuous and forced final recommendation rodrigo oh god stay away from it unless (laughs) unless you flip through this and say Oh yes, I really, really like this art. There are a lot of things here that I uh, that I enjoy, or I really like this coloring, or whatever. There is no reason to read this book. Matthew, it is, it is that bad. Final recommendation. <sighs> I think that my my overall impression was not one of horror, and it was not one of disgust. It was kind of it. it let me put it to you this way. This book is like kissing your sister. <laughs> you know, sure, she's a hot piece of tail with a blouse full of goodies, but it's just plain wrong. <laughs> and when you get to the end of the book and she's standing on the, on the rooftops uh, 
screaming her heart out. Um, and she somehow transformed from this girl who wasn't a girl, and all of a sudden, I am Wraithborn. And somehow she's she's generated. I think the Wraithborn power also gave her a tremendous rack. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. all of a sudden, Melanie's entire body changes in the last thing. And the girl who looks like Red Monica also looks like the Magdalena. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I, I, I could go on for days and days about the things that are wrong with this. And I want, I want to say, I try to be not to be a dick because I know that people who create these books come to major spoilers and want to see what we have to say. And I don't want to be a dick, but there's, there's no reason to read this book. There is literally no reason to read this book. If you like Witchblade, all of the stuff that is Witchblade here is done better in Witchblade. And I know that means that I've admitted to reading Witchblade. You know, if you like darkness, there's darkness. I, I, I will just you know, do this you for like, you, Matthew, if you want. Just it's 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 derivative. And it's not even derivative of the same sources in a consistent manner. And it's not that there's no redeeming value to the book, because I'm I'm sure actually there's no redeeming value to the book. I advise Some of not the art is pretty I, good. Okay. But not consistently good. That's it's true. here I'm ripping off J. Scott Campbell. Here right. I'm ripping off uh, Ed Bennis. Here I'm ripping off Jim Lee. So it yeah, there are moments where the pinups are good. There's a shot of uh, when Red Monica puts on her Magdalena armor in issue six. Very good shot. And I looked at that and I'm like, where have I seen that before? Because I know I have. Mm-hmm. And then when she transforms into and she's basically Teen Witchblade with a big bug on her back. And I'm just, eh. you can skip it. I really think you can skip it. And if you're listening, creators, I'm sorry. You you know, life Joe sucks. Get a helmet, I guess. Uh, Benitez is the uh, yes. is the artist writer of this series. I mm-hmm. was going to try to look up something really quick about the artist and the creators, and I accidentally in the um, address bar typed in wraithborn.com. Takes you to the Art of Joe Bennett's website. And mm-hmm. before the show, we were talking about this uh, upcoming book, Lady Mechanica, right. his book. Interesting. So that might give so you a little all, heads up on that. So already a uh, slash tire in the uh, juggernaut <laughs> that might be Lady Mechanica. Yes. Now, going, uh, you know, the art is somewhat good, but I will say that if you uh, read Crimson or you read the Danger Girl uh, series, you're going to see the art that, that you want that yeah. should have been in this book yeah. but wasn't. You will see You will see this kind of art except consistent. Yes. Uh, other than that, um, going into this, Rodrigo told me weeks ago, months ago, this is a terrible book. Mm-hmm. I'm just letting you know. So I went into it with no expectations of anything being good. And there was one nice little sequence, mm-hmm. the family sequence. And, and the thing that is fantastic about it is that by the end of the book, that is undone. Is like the one yes. thing that is redeeming about the book right. is thrown away to make room for a cliche. Yes. So there you have it. There's Wraithborn. And uh, surprisingly, there were no comments about Wraithborn in it's the It's also not uh, a very section. well-known book. I'd never heard of it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I found it. I found the trade. I'd never seen the individual issues. And I found it just randomly in Hastings, and I think it was the only copy. They might have had two. <laughs> it's probably the only copy in existence. It, it might be the only copy that they that Compare they this for. to uh, Jenna Jameson's uh, uh, Shadow Hunter. I don't need to. It's the same thing. Okay, there you go. <laughs> wow. Okay, everybody, that wraps it up for this, much, this uh, issue. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Uh, next week, we're going to look at The Rocketeer. Not mm-hmm. only The Rocketeer in comic book form... 
but we're also going to be talking about the movie as well. <laughs> and this, I think, was a reader request mm-hmm. uh, that someone sent in. We said, sure, why not? And uh, why are we looking at The Rocketeer? Not, because, not only because we love our fans, but because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store got new, they kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Stark Raven reads like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the hard cold to follow an entire storyline. But would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler, whoa, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2010.